Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi everyone and welcome to Squiggy Careers Podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm joined by my co-host Helen. Hi everyone. And this podcast is all about developing the skills that we think we all need to succeed, whatever success looks like for you in our increasingly squiggly careers. And before we start this week, actually, there's something that lots of you might have seen in the news over the past couple of days. Lots of people have been sharing it with me that I thought was worth just a pause to reflect on. So I don't know if you've seen this, Helen. Have you seen the girl who went for an interview with a tech company up in Manchester and had such an awful experience that she's written about it and turned down the job? I did see it. And do you know what I think's both brilliant and also quite scary is the transparency now of... Actually, if you are yeah. horrendous in an interview, it can get on like the front page of the BBC. <laughs> I quite like it. Yeah, well, to be honest, I find it reassuring. It's when I think social media kind of has its best and its worst side, like everything. But I was kind of thinking that's social media at its best because that just wouldn't have existed maybe even five years ago, where actually somebody there who probably has tried to exert quite a lot of power, behave in a way that I think the majority of people would say is not appropriate and not fair, suddenly, I suspect, they're going to have a really hard time attracting amazing talent now. And I sort of think, serves you right. Yeah, can you imagine that person's performance development review with, with their manager? They're probably really damaged. Well, he's, he's the, the MD um, as well, isn't he's he? But executive. He's got to be some shareholders yeah, yeah. that are not happy with that. Yeah, there must be someone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, I know lots of people at the moment who are going for job interviews. So if that's you and you're listening and maybe you're a new listener, we did a podcast, which was episode number 41, which was all about our kind of hints and tips on how to give a great interview, some ideas on kind of good questions to ask, how to respond if you get asked something you're a bit thrown by. But I think clearly that girl uh, has done a very good example of what to do if something is that inappropriate. I think either <laughs> leave or just decline the job. <laughs> So on to this week's topic, and probably quite appropriate given we were just talking about power and kind of influence, we're going to talk a bit about influence at work. And we're going to start a bit with kind of what it is and why we think it's important. Talk about a couple of examples of when influence has helped us in our career, and also the people that we've worked for and with who we think have had particularly brilliant influence and why. A few things about what gets in the way, and then we'll finish with our five top tips And as ever, there's loads of resources this week to support lots of what we're going to be talking about. So if you're, I don't know, running or don't write things down as you listen to podcasts, because I know I never do that, you can just go onto our website and you get all of the resources that we talk about. So please don't panic if you miss anything and you think, what was that? That sounded useful, but I'm not sure where to find it. So influence is a really interesting word, I think, to think about when we're thinking about what it is, because I think fundamentally influence is just about the ability to affect someone or something. But as a phrase... 
it's one of those things that I think has quite mixed connotations because it can be quite positive. If you were to say, oh, you know, who's had a really positive influence on your career? That feels like a really positive statement and you would talk about something and someone in a very kind of positive way. But I think at its worst, people get nervous that influence is about manipulation or maybe even deceit, that there's something almost happening that doesn't feel authentic or it means you have to be something that you're not. And actually, over the last week, knowing that we were going to talk about influence, I've actually reread quite a famous book by a guy called Dale Carnegie. I think it was written in about like 1937-ish. So it's a really old book. And it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And you know what? It kind of reinforced all of the problems, I think, around influence, because I really don't like that as a title. This idea of like <laughs> winning friends is, I think, horrendous. It would almost put me off reading it. But I've actually reread it and realised just how good it is and it's full of things that I think we would all recognize as traits that we would want for ourselves that we would want in other people and it's really made me reframe that book and I think I'd not gone back to it for a long time because I think to be honest the title and this idea of influence being perceived in that way had put me off but I think if we start today's podcast thinking about influence in a positive way positive in terms of the actions that you can take and positive in terms of the impact that you can have on other people. I haven't read that book for quite a long time. I think I, I'm not even sure I've ever actually properly back-to-back read it. I think we, um, at university, Sarah and I went to university together a long time ago, and I think I must have read it at some point then or, like, scanned through it. But on that recommendation, Sarah, I think I will give it another pass. And I was also thinking when you were talking about the word influence, and I agree with what you were saying about potentially some negative connotations, but I was also thinking that now you've got the whole term influencer, haven't you? So kind of social media influencers. Yeah. And I think that's maybe started to change the perception. Though I think sometimes now people think of those people as quite negative because they're starting to feel like manipulated by influencers who've got paid ads. And so I was going around in circles in my mind when, I was, when you were talking. But when I think about those people as influencers, they're basically using their status and profile to share messages with people, I suppose, and maybe influence and like an action to create a community of people like them who are influenced into clicking on their links, going to their websites, following their fashions and all that kind of stuff. And the term influence in some ways it's being used even more in the way that social media has created it now. Yeah, and I think there's, I came up with probably around three reasons why I think it's more important than ever to have influence as part of a squiggly career. And the first one for me was that very few people now work in isolation I think if you are good at influencing, it helps you to achieve more both individually and collectively. And because we're all working in quite different ways and different structures, I feel like we've almost got to be more sophisticated in our influence because we're not necessarily always seeing the people that we work with. We're working with lots of different people. We're working in project teams. So this is not necessarily a straightforward, almost equation where you think, oh, well, as long as these three people trust me and I can influence them, then that's probably it. That's probably all I need to do for my job. So I think the kind of number of people that we need to influence and the way that we need to influence is more probably dynamic than it's ever been. I agree. I think because you're not with people and by your desk all the time, you know, you talked about the way that we need to influence people actually over email or maybe you're using a lot of like conference calls, that kind of stuff. You've got to have the ability to not only to adapt to be able to influence different people, but also adapt to be able to influence them through different means of communication now. Yeah, and I think my second point on that was actually, I think it's also got harder to influence people just because of the 
sheer volume of distractions that we all have in our lives. And we've talked before about when you're in a meeting and people have got laptops up, you've got no idea whether mm-hmm. they are listening, taking notes about what you're saying, doing something else. And actually, I think it takes somebody who's really thought about how they're going to work to minimise those distractions. And even when you have done that, there are still things that can kind of get in the way. So your ability to have impact, I think there are kind of external factors that probably didn't exist previously. And the third reason is that I think within a squiggly career, we actually have more opportunity to influence. So this is about the fact that we've got flatter structures. And actually, when you look at what most people define influence as in terms of successful influence at work, it's not about because you're in charge. That's very different. That's when people are doing things because you've told them to do it and they have to. And I think that's not the same as kind of influencing people to actually do something that they want to do, that they're choosing to do. I read an interesting article that we'll link to that talked about the difference between a bureaucrat and a leader. And they were saying bureaucrats essentially are in a position of power based on an organisational chart, like where you are in the hierarchy and people are only doing things because they feel like there isn't kind of choice involved versus leaders who people want to follow and they're they're almost choosing to do different things or to listen to you or to apply discretionary effort because they believe in you and they trust you and they they're happy to kind of be influenced by you because that's the relationship they've got and I think this is um it's one of those skills that often as you progress in your career you get talked to you about or maybe give you feedback about influence and it can feel quite hard when you think well you know, I'm not senior enough and with seniority, inevitably there does come an element of kind of natural influence. But I think increasingly seniority is becoming just less of a thing. It's much more about collaborative teams who all are bringing kind of different parts of expertise. I agree. And when I was thinking about it as well, I was thinking about the podcast that we recorded on Gravitas and that actually for me, influence and Gravitas sometimes are connected because somebody that can make people stop and listen and think and question which I think sometimes people with gravitas can do and they don't have to be senior to do that as we talked about on that podcast gravitas can lots of people can have gravitas but I think it's that ability whoever you are whatever kind of level you are in the organization the ability for people to stop and listen and think what you're saying is important and credible and they're kind of tuning into it that's I think the real skill of influence and I definitely I think in the past maybe because of the hierarchical structures it has had that seniority thing but I definitely don't think if you've got the skills now you think you can use and develop influence and use it at work at any level so Helen just thinking in your career so far when do you think you've almost had the most influence when do you think you've exerted influence most successfully and why what do you think was happening that allowed you to do it really well this is a good question I was thinking in my when do I think I've done it most well oh that's hard I can think of a time I did it well. I'd probably have to think even longer for most well. When I was at Virgin, I did two different roles at Virgin, as you know, but for everyone listening might not. The first one I did was heading a business called Virgin Insight. And then the second one was basically built a business called Virgin Red from scratch. So developed the proposition, built the team, secured the funding, basically launched the whole thing. And I think that was probably when I felt like I most successfully influenced and my influence had the biggest impact on the outcome of that business so for example I would have over the the name of the business the look and feel of the business the proposition the segmentation like lots of things that I was doing that all came from me and I was able to influence all the different stakeholders that my thoughts and beliefs were the most successful ones for that business if that makes sense and 
I think if I reflect on why that was, why did people listen to me? Why did what I think, how did I manage to get what I was thinking implemented through my influence? I think there was probably a few things going on. I think partly I had some credibility because I've been in it from the beginning. So there was a sense of some level of expertise, maybe some level of credibility because I, I in theory, knew what I was talking about, though I think I cared more than I knew, if that makes sense. I just cared so much about that business and I was learning as I was going. But I think that was part of it. So I'd been in it from the start. And then maybe the other reason was I had, because of like a hierarchy, I was sort of the head of marketing, marketing director for the business. Maybe there was a bit of authority in there. So maybe other people were sort of listening to me because of my role. And there's a guy, it's a bit like Dale Carnegie, actually, kind of old school guy called Robert Caldini. And he wrote, I think in about the same period, I think in the 60s, he wrote a book about the rules of influence and persuasion. And he talks about these different rules. They're things like reciprocity. So if I help Sarah, Sarah is more likely to help me. And there's another one called scarcity. So you can influence people when there's kind of supply and demand. But one of the things that he talks about as a way of influencing people is authority. And so I still think that does play a part even with flatter structures. Another thing, another one of his principles, I think was probably at play when I was at Verge as well, is this principle of liking. So you are more likely to influence people when they like you and when you've gone and got some common ground with them. And I think Virgin was the company, other than Amazing If Sarah, where I felt most authentic. And I think yep. because I felt like I was showing up like me, I was maybe having more genuine relationships with people at work that where we liked each other. And so maybe that was also part of a bit of authority, bit of liking going on as well, maybe and a bit of maybe expertise and credibility. I think that was probably at the heart of why I was able to influence so successfully in that role. And what's quite interesting, just listening to you there, describing that example of a time where you felt like you got influence. Yeah, you, you talked about it quite quickly, but actually it showed there are multiple things that almost are happening simultaneously to allow you to have that influence. So actually the list of things that you were talking about there was actually quite long. You probably were talking about four or five or six different behaviours and skills that were enabling you to have influence. And that's probably a good reflection that it's very rarely just one thing that then means you have influence. It's probably a combination of factors to do with you your environment, the people around you. And when you can get all those things working in tandem successfully, that's probably when you're at your best in terms of being able to have influence. Yeah, and do you know what I was thinking when you said that, that that probably makes it seem really hard because other people are like, well, how do I practically do all of that? But I think at the heart of it is... I was building strong relationships, I had some expertise, and I probably did have a role. So probably the authority, expertise and liking were probably the things that helped. So that might be something that if you're listening, and you're thinking, oh, I really want to influence the outcome of this thing at work, that would be my model of what worked for me would be those three things. So maybe think about how you can develop those things, particularly the credibility and expertise and the liking the relationship bits in your in your organisation. So Sarah, I've got a different question for you. Thinking about all of your different roles and the different companies that you have worked in, I know you've worked for some brilliant people. Could you tell me about them? But who do you think, from the people that you've worked either with or for, who stands out for you in terms of their their influencing style and success at work? Yeah, I actually I really enjoyed reflecting on this ah. question. And there was one particular person that sprung to mind, and that was a lady called Alex Cole. And Alex was the Corporate Affairs Director at Sainsbury's and is now the CMO for Booper globally. So very successful in her roles. And she was, I think, an excellent influencer, probably the best influencer I've worked with. And it wasn't about the fact that she was the most senior person. It was really about 
how she got stuff done, how she sort of her approach and her attitude to work. And initially, you perhaps would even just think, oh, maybe that's just her. Maybe that's just her kind of natural talents and her personality. But actually, the more I worked kind of with her and for her, I understood that actually it was intentional. And she'd really thought about how to make sure that she could have influence in her role, but also that her division could also have influence. And she was always very keen to make sure that we were business partners rather than kind of service providers. So it was also a bit about a mindset about being partners and if you're partners you can influence whereas actually if you're very passive it's much harder to do that and I tried to think about the three things that I felt that she consistently demonstrated and the first one is that she genuinely cared and was really passionate about her job the organization and other people's jobs as well so she was sort of you felt like she was all in you know she was full of energy full of passion yeah and and to your point on the virgin example I didn't think she was making any of that up. I felt like she did really care. And she usually used to say, oh, you know, if you cut me in half, I'd bleed orange. Um, and, and you thought, yeah, that's probably true. Which is the uh, colour you know, of so Sainsbury's that, like, that... uh, brand logo, in case people are thinking, why would she bleed yes. orange? <laughs> or if you, I, I suppose, yeah, it's a very UK-based reference. Uh, they're a very orange brand. So that was the first point. I think the second thing is she invested time and energy in building brilliant relationships. And she put a value on building relationships so whether that was more informally kind of chats in the corridor chats in the lift all the kind of in-between moments she would use to build relationships she was very good at doing it in more kind of meetings and that kind of style of thing I think she really prioritized that she knew how important it was and actually Sainsbury's was a very collaborative organization so it was probably even more important there than it would have been maybe in some other places and she knew that and you know she she never let an opportunity go to waste where she couldn't be chatting about either an idea or something that we wanted to get somebody to think about or an opportunity that she could envisage. And she was actually really strategic. She was the person who told me about thinking about something called impact and influencer mapping. So actually, she used to encourage us to map out all of our relationships and map them by how much influence and impact those people had to make sure that we were spending time with the right people. And we've probably mentioned it before, but there's often a tendency at work to spend time with the people that maybe, first of all, you like the most (laughs) and that you're just used to spending time with. See, we all get into kind of routines and sometimes we can be a bit too comfortable. And actually, we haven't really thought about, are we spending time with the right people to help me to do my job and my team's job to the very, very best of our ability? So I felt like she was very strategic about building relationships and then she understood that there are a million different ways to build relationships and she did it all the time. And then the third thing, and this did really teach me a lot about influence, is she really started with the other person's agenda, not with our team agenda. So it was always about how can we help? What's on your mind at the moment? What are your biggest challenges? Asking really good questions, really trying to understand. And even though we would have always had a team agenda that ultimately we were trying to get stuff done and we probably needed these people to help us with that. I think people always felt very much like she was on their side, trying to understand, trying to put herself in their shoes. So really kind of demonstrating empathy. And I guess it's being actually a bit selfless initially in service of then ultimately knowing that that will mean that you can get what you need to get done done better and kind of more effectively rather than it feeling kind of more transactional. So I think they were the three things that she was brilliant at. And I learned a lot from being in that team. It was a very different team to the teams I'd been in previously. 
And actually, I really feel like there's an art to influence. There's kind of a science and an art. And because I've seen some people now do this so well, I think I adapted my approach um, to how I influence people because I could I saw how effective it was. I really liked what you said about when you said it was about her influence, but also the influence that the team could have. And I think maybe for people that are still in a, oh, maybe like influence is a bad thing and influence is a power. Actually, if you think about you having a role in that your wider team's influence, maybe in, in the business or the department or whatever, and how you using some of the skills and tips we'll come on to talk about might not only help your influence, but might help your wider team's influence, might help you get comfortable with it. Because I think that was when you were talking about Alex there, it made me think, wow, what a great leader that it was actually, she was just thinking about what's my team's influence in this business and not just my own. Yeah. And actually, the other thing I would say is when she was talking about, you know, encouraging us all to develop our influence, what she was never saying was you need to do it exactly like me. Because actually, Alex and I had polar opposite, I would say, styles some of the time. And what she was more saying was, actually, just think about how you're doing this. Be strategic, invest time in it, but then absolutely like do it in your own way. You don't need to do this in my way. I think that point that you were kind of making early on about the more authentic you can be, I suspect the better at this you are. So though you want to be adaptable, I do still think at the heart of this, it's about doing it in the way that works for you. So this is not about you know, looking at somebody else doing it brilliantly and going, oh, I have to be them. Because I think it, I'd have felt really intimidated if I'd have had to suddenly be Alex, who was way more extrovert than me and had got a whole different skill set and background to me. So what do you think gets in the way then of, of people being naturally good at influencing at work? Because I do think some people do have more, of they, they seem more influential regardless of their level. They seem to have more of these skills naturally. So other than it's just, you've got it as a natural talent, do you think there's other stuff that gets in the way of people practicing influence at work and and being influential well when you kind of pose that question I posed it to myself I was thinking so what gets in the way of me having the amount of influence that you'd want to have because you're never kind of perfect at these things and I think the number one thing for me would be being too busy doing the doing and not prioritizing influence and that might sound kind of strange but I think actually we you know we've talked about relationships spending time with people putting yourself in other people's shoes those things all take time and I think you have to then choose to go I'm going to do that versus do the next thing on my to-do list and very rarely on your to-do list do you have I'm going to really prioritize spending time just learning about someone else's team area or having those more informal coffees with somebody just to kind of build up that relationship they're things that are often they often feel I think like nice to-dos rather than must-dos and I definitely do some of it some of the time, but they can be some, the first things to go when you're under a lot of pressure or you maybe that to-do list is getting longer. But I think when you start to change your mindset and reframe this as, no, this is a must-do because this will make sure that I am really brilliant at my job. And I think since being in that team where I worked for Alex, I think I do have it as, no, I, I know when I'm doing this really well and actually I can now spot when I stop spending as much time on it because I do recognise that I think, or, you know, if you know if you need somebody just to help you out with something, how comfortable do you feel asking someone to do that? And I think when you've got really good influence, you feel OK because you've built up really great relationships and you know that that's OK. Whereas actually, if you're feeling a bit nervous about it or you think I've not spoken to that person for a while, I've not really spent any time with them. Somehow it just feels harder, maybe a bit more formal. I don't know I feel like I've almost not got the same amount of like cash in the bank 
to, to kind of take out and withdraw. <laughs> enough, enough credit to withdraw. Um, I think mine's probably different, you know. I think the reason sometimes that I think I am less influential is either because I'm a bit tired and so I almost opt out. Like, no, you know, like say, say I'm in a meeting and I think, <laughs> oh, I can really influence the agenda. But actually I'm feeling a little bit tired and I because I, sometimes I think it takes a conscious effort to influence. Like you're putting yourself out there mm. your thoughts out there it's you're not just sitting back and like letting everybody else go you have to kind of step forward so sometimes if I'm a bit tired I think I probably am a bit less influential sometimes and maybe even a bit less effective when I try to be and then the other thing that might get in my way sometimes from being influential is maybe a confidence gremlin might kind of come up so I might think oh god is it my right to say this let's say I'm in a a meeting and I think do you know I don't think that's the right thing to do I don't think that's the right approach or I think I've got a better suggestion there would be some meetings and I'm thinking back to probably working in like large organizations that I've been in some meetings with very senior people where I might think mm, is my that oh sounds like sounds really bad but I was about to say is my voice worthy <laughs> that sounds really bad <laughs> but um I think a confidence gremlin would pop up and make me think oh is this the right time to say this? Should I say this now? And I think people that are really influential maybe don't have that filter or hurdle to get over. And so I almost have to be aware that my confidence gremlin is at play and take a deep breath and say it anyway. But again, that takes a bit of effort to do. And I've just got to make sure that the outcome for me is motivating enough. Like I think I really want to stand for this thing. I'm really passionate about this thing. Therefore, it's worth me being a tall poppy and kind of saying the thing that I'm not sure is my right to say you don't ever have that oh no I do I do I think what's interesting about both of your examples there and the things that we've talked about and we often say this in terms of the skills generally to succeed in a squiggly career that anything that is a skill needs to be practiced by practicing it you get better at it now the reassuring thing is by practicing it, you get better. So this is not something that you know people are just born with. Some people might start off because they've got a bit more of um, a natural talent in this area. They might be better than others. But I think everybody can get better at their ability to influence others. But you have got to consciously choose to want to do it and then take action and then continue to reflect and work out what your next action is. Because actually in both those examples you were talking about, it's a choice. I've got to make a choice to want to do this yes. and to practice it and then if I practice it I get even better and it's sometimes easier to not do it to choose not to so that's something I think for everyone listening to reflect on is going we can all get better at influence because it's a skill what are the things that you need to practice and what gets in your way at the moment and therefore what actions could you start to take and perhaps as we go through these top tips it it might also kind of trigger some ideas and thoughts for you even on a budget quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So we've got five top tips that we thought we'd go through. I'll perhaps do the first one and then we'll perhaps alternate as we go through. And these are just tips that come from lots of different resources that we've linked to in the blog post for this podcast. So if you want to read more about them, you can. But we're going to summarise them for you now quite quickly. So top tip number one is to start with the other person and not yourself. So this is the really the thing that we were talking about in terms of empathy. And this is a quote actually from the Dale Carnegie book that I thought was you know, one of those stop and pause moments and you're like, oh, yeah, that's obviously really true. Yeah. Um, and he says, of course, you are interested in what you want, but no one else is. The rest of us are just like you. We are interested in what we want. Um, so essentially, that's just like saying um, <laughs> we're all really selfish. Um, and of course, everybody has their own agenda. And I think if you stop and pause and genuinely, you know, that phrase like walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, I think you probably start from a very different place and your ability to connect with that person and understand their challenges, maybe why they've got a different perspective to you, will then just give you that ability to kind of influence because you've kind of got into their world. And I think often when we talk about influence, people's starting thought is, well, this is about me and my agenda and influencing people onto my agenda. Whereas actually if you completely flip that and thought, no, actually this is about other people, let's work out what their agenda is what matters to them and then let's talk about the thing that's important to me I suspect that would actually reframe a lot and a lot of people will feel more comfortable with that I would guess as well so tip number two then Sarah talks about this quite a lot with Alex's suggestion when she's working with Alex at Sainsbury's but it's to spend time building your internal network so that you've got those relationships there to kind of use as a basis for influencing and the really practical kind of action that Sarah talked about was doing the influence and impact diagram if you've never done one of these before it's as simple as like a two by two box model if you know what I mean so two boxes and at the top two boxes are about influence and then on the side it's about impact and so you're looking for people that are maybe high influence and high impact or people that are maybe low influence but high impact you can google this model and do you know what we'll try and find a link for one and we'll put it in the notes but it's just a really good way of plotting all of your stakeholders and then you would want to prioritize for example the people that are high impact and high influence they're the people that you'd want to prioritize so tip number two build your internal network and maybe have a look at that tool, impact and influence matrix, if that might help you to just sort of plot things down. And tip number three is about adapting. And I was reading about adapting in terms of influence and Lord Lord George, who was prime minister during World War One and stayed in power for a long time, he was asked how he managed to remain at the top. And I really like his response. He said that he'd learned that it's necessary to bait the hook to suit the fish. <laughs> you are full of good quotes tonight it's because it's because I've had I've prepared a bit better so yeah I really like that so essentially what you're <laughs> saying bait the hook to suit the fish is if you've understood I guess other people you know what bait you need to use to make sure that actually whatever you're trying to do works and so this is I think the skillful bit because then you're kind of saying well are you saying that I need to be somebody I'm not which I don't think we are I think at your core 
you have to stay authentic and do things in a way that works for you. But I think it's understanding other people's agenda and then being able to adapt enough for something to be successful. And I think we all recognise that in the workplace generally. We know we talk about we all have to adapt around different people and different situations that maybe don't feel natural to us. You know, that's just a kind of smart approach, I guess, to making sure that you influence. It's the difference between, you know, when people are really dogmatic, it's all about them and almost Mm. too single-minded and too driven. And that can be because they're actually really passionate about it. But I think when you're too much like that, that's when you can't see the wood from the trees. And often when you're struggling to get stuff done, and I've definitely experienced this myself, it's because often you'll think, well, I know this is the right thing to do, but you've sort of not stopped to think about, well, is this the right thing to do for everyone or is this just the right thing to do for me and maybe my team? It's a fine line, isn't it? It's almost like influence, arrogance, dogmatism. (laughs) Uh, And it takes, like you say, it's a skill and it takes a little bit of effort um, because you don't really want to go into, that's not going to help your cause if you're kind of becoming arrogant or dogmatic in your approach. So tip number four, I feel like we talked around this one as well, so I've given quite a lot of context to it, but the tip is to develop your expertise plus your passion. So you are able to influence people if you have that credibility and authenticity. So it was when I was talking about, you know, I really cared about that business that I was building at Virgin and I was learning as quick as I could and I was getting as much knowledge as I could. And I might not know everything in that business when I started it, but I probably did know more than other people because I'd kind of come up with some of the concepts and I was firmly passionate about it. And then when Sarah was talking about Alex and she used to say, if you cut her in half, she'd kind of bleed orange. It's a very visual (laughs) description, isn't it, of that one? But it's that you have so much credibility because people believe in what you're saying, both because you have that expertise, but also you're truly passionate about it. So you come across authentically. So I think make sure if you're going to put the influence effort in, make sure it's about something that you're passionate about. Also, otherwise people might see through that and it might not be such a genuine influencing approach. You might not be able to bring people with you as successfully. And then number five. So our final top tip is about using we rather than I statements. And so this is, I suppose, a specific technique around empathy and putting yourself in other people's shoes. It's trying to discover common ground and common objectives. And actually one of the more salesy things that Dale Carnegie in his book says, which um, I was slightly less of a fan of, he was saying, you've got to get the other person saying yes. But you can sort of see where he's going in terms of the principle. What he's trying to do is go, there must be something here that we can agree on. And actually, I do find that really useful. So when you come across people where you're thinking, we're quite far apart, maybe in terms of our starting points, we've got quite different points of view. So that's therefore going to be quite hard to influence that person. Trying to find something that you both agree on. And that might be just something, a bigger purpose. It might be more about the direction of a company. It could be a shared objective. But what can you get to where you go, okay, well, if we both agree this is important, And that's a really good starting point. And then that starting point to build from. Actually, I think I have done that quite a few times in my career, especially, you know, when you're in a department like marketing, and I've mainly worked in marketing, you know, sometimes it's a department where people kind of go, I don't really understand what you do, but I think I could probably do it better, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) Um, I hope that's not just marketing. I kind of hope it's mm, other departments too. It's just what we know. (laughs) But uh, it does happen a little bit. and, And that's kind of okay. And actually... The best thing that you can do there is not to get really defensive about marketing and not to make it all about marketing, but actually is to try and find some common ground in terms of you and whoever you're working with to go, okay, so what do we think we're trying to do together here? What do we think our role is? What do we think your role is? And can we kind of build from that point? So that point is about being 
collaborative and just finding something that you can share as a starting point I think it's often something that's used in negotiation as well I think I'm sure I've done some negotiation stuff where they say if you can find the yes then you kind of know you're on to like okay you've got to a better place so a bit of a recap then of our top five tips that we've just gone through for influence. So the first one is all around empathy and starting with other people, not yourself. The second tip is to spend time building your internal network. The third tip is to adapt. And Sarah's quote <laughs> from Lloyd George about bait the hook to suit the fish. The fourth tip is around develop your expertise plus your passion. And the last one is all around discovering common ground and common objectives. So hopefully those tips and kind of our reflections have given you something to think on in terms of influence. It really is one of those super skills for squiggly careers. It will help you to take control of things more and definitely get kind of more outcomes that are in what you want really for your career. So you can drive that and not be following other people. As Sarah said, we've got loads of resources, so they'll all be on amazingif.com, a website that is undergoing some change at the moment. So for when you go on this, it will be on the blog page when this is live. You'll be able to find the post there, but the website will probably be moving around a little bit. So in the next couple of weeks, you might have to search for it, but um, it'll be the Influence Podcast, and then you'll be able to access all the links there. So as always, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate everybody who recommends, um, who takes the time to subscribe, people who write. Can I do uh, a shout out, Sarah? Yeah, of course. Because we've had some really nice reviews this well. It was February now, but it went in. Oh, I was about to say write reviews. I yeah. know, yeah. We've had also some people have messages going, How do you do an, a review on a, on the podcast? Turns out that's quite difficult, but I do have a how to if anyone if anyone wants to know. But we've had some lovely ones. We've had um in January we had a really nice one from Leslie, which says incredibly useful. My only regret is that I didn't know about these podcasts sooner. Oh, you know now, Leslie, tell other people. Oh, um, well, she can start from one and work her um, way through if she Steph wants. Ross said that they're really helpful and everything's clear and relatable, which is really nice. GC Night 11, which sounds like some kind of like Night Rider. Do you remember that old series? Yeah. Ooh, yeah <laughs> um, I like engaging it. and practical. And then someone else called Hola. Hola, hola. Um, says, awesome. So much great advice here. I must listen. Thank you so much. We do read all of the reviews and it makes us really happy. And sometimes when this is just Sarah and I talking into microphones and putting them live, kind of don't, we don't get all that feedback. So that's this the way that we get feedback when you do these reviews for us. So we really appreciate. Thank you for taking the time. And so next week, we thought we would take on a topic which we're calling DIY career development. I say we, I've decided to call that without <laughs> consulting fine, Helen at all. You're so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's fine. <laughs> thanks, thanks. And I think quite often we get people asking us for recommendations in terms of training courses or I want to learn something. What programme could I go and what course could I do? And while training courses are obviously great because that's a big part of what we do, um, <laughs> often courses are not necessarily the place to start or they're not the only place and increasingly I think organisations are looking for individuals to design their own career development you know that might include courses but it might include lots of other things so we thought we would do a podcast all about kind of how you do that for yourself where do you start in terms of your own career development what are all the resources what are all the things out there for you that can be useful and how do you kind of approach that so that your first go-to is not always or what's a training course but actually you're thinking a bit more strategically about you and the direction you want your career to take so I'm really excited about doing that one I think it'll be a really good one we'll have loads of ideas we'll probably run over yeah it actually could be quite a long (laughs) one so (laughs) so thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you all next week bye for now bye
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 